This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not gonna f***ing It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 117 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. This episode kicks off the 2022-2023 season, guys. The summer's in the rear view. Training camp is in the rear view. And opening night is about, what, 48 hours away, correct? So there, um, there's certainly a lot to get into. But Bridget and Scott, how are you guys doing? And you looking forward to a new season here? Yeah, finally, regular season hockey. Uh, I think it's, I mean, actually, we've technically had a couple of regular season games already. Uh, the you know, the Predators and Sharks over in Europe, but really, I think opening night, Tuesday night for the league, Wednesday for the Bruins. Um, yeah, just just exciting. Like, you know, preseason is what it is. It's exciting to see some kids get a chance and you know, discuss the roster and all that stuff. and. Oh, by the way, the Bruins roster might not even be completely set yet, which we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, now it's time to actually, you know, see it in action in uh, games that actually matter. Yeah, I'm excited. I, college hockey started now. Bruins hockey starting, so it's officially fall. It's we're officially, you know, into hockey season now. Yep, exactly. And so, with that said, we're going to get to a few topics today. Obviously, we're going to discuss. Uh, the roster personnel, uh, some players were, were, were put on waivers the other day, some prop, I don't want to say prominent players, but some, some bigger name players. Um, they cleared, we'll get to them and what that means. The Bruins had media day today um, where a lot of the, the ownership brass spoke and, and a lot of the players spoke and Scott was there. So he'll give us the, the four on one on that and some key takeaways from that. And then, um, you know, we'll finish off with some, some predictions, you know, uh, Atlantic division predictions, Metro predictions kind of keep it east east oriented and uh, and some personal uh, Bruins uh, you know player predictions and stuff like that. We'll get into that. So, but let's start off with with the first topic, which is the fact that Nick Foligno, Chris Wagner, Mike Riley were all put on waivers the other day, and they all cleared waivers. So, I think I think we were pleasantly surprised. Again, this is no disrespect to the person as an individual. We all like Nick Foligno as a person. I think we were all kind of pleasantly surprised that Don actually was able to put him on waivers. And cause if it was up to, if it was up to the, uh, the rest of the league, as far as Don Sweeney is concerned, he could be somebody else's, you know, um, player right now. Like Don put him on waivers. He exposed them to the league. Right. So he did that knowing that you might lose the player. That's him acknowledging perhaps that somebody he brought in via free agency a couple of years ago, didn't pan out. And um, he's owning up to a mistake of his as general manager. Mike Riley is a player that surprised us all. Chris Wagner, considering the fact that Jim Montgomery said the other day, he kind of thought he made the team. That was kind of surprising as well. So I'll throw it to you guys first and uh, get your take on those three players being waived. And obviously what it means that they weren't claimed by anybody. Yeah, I think it's, it's as much about roster flexibility as, as anything. Like I don't, 
I don't necessarily think it's Don Sweeney admitting a mistake or even mistakes, plural. Uh, I think it's that they are, you know, not necessarily for opening night facing a cap crunch, but not too far down the line as Martian and McAvoy return, we'll be facing a serious cap crunch and need to move money out somehow. And uh, there's a lot of the, the cap gymnastics, like leading up to setting your opening night roster and potentially putting guys on long-term injured reserve uh, gets a bit wonky. And like, we're not, I'm not going to go, you know, super into the minutia of it all, but, Basically, if you're going to use long-term IR, the closer you can get to the cap before you put guys on long-term IR, the better, because it creates like a um, a larger like IR pool of, of money that you can then use. So even though you can say, okay, yeah, you can put Martian and McAvoy in IR, and then that, you know, you have enough cap space to fit everyone you don't want to be, you know, 9 million over the cap or whatever it would be when you do that. You want to be as close to the actual cap number as possible. So uh, that's why I think, you know, you waive some guys to, to get that flexibility to then either they get claimed and their salary comes completely off your books or you get the flexibility to send them down to Providence and temporarily take off or maybe longer term take off, you know, 1.1 million in each case. So um, I, I don't think the maneuvering is done as we sit here at six o'clock on, on Monday. Uh, there will probably be more. They had to be teams have to be cap compliant for opening night by 5. PM on Monday. And we haven't gotten word yet on like if the Bruins did anything else, but I would assume there is more to come over whether we hear about it Monday night, Tuesday, whenever. And I'll just warn people in advance do not think it's permanent because they could easily send someone down, then move McAvoy and Martian to IR, then bring someone back up. And there could be a lot of like quote unquote paper moves that are just very temporary where it's like, you know, that like there could be someone who flew with the team down to Washington uh, on Monday, the team flew down Monday, they're practicing in Annapolis, Maryland on Tuesday, like someone on that trip could get sent down to Providence, but then I actually go into Providence. They're going to stay with the team because they know they're going to be back, you know, the next day. Um, so you could still see quite a bit of maneuvering uh, before Wednesday night in the season opener. And I would just say, like, none of it is permanent until we actually get to Wednesday night and they put, you know, their team out on the ice. Yeah, so what I would say to when I saw the the – the move to wave, you know, Felino, Riley and Wagner, I was most shocked as I think everybody was by the fact that Riley was on that list too. Um, I think what surprised me most about it is that a few things, I guess that I'm shocked he made it through waivers. Um, I don't know why they're, if they really do want Riley on their roster this year, why they're willing to gamble with that, that he was going to make it through. Um, something about Riley as well. He had been one of their better players in preseason I know coach said that Lindholm was you know his heads and shoulders above everyone how he wanted to play system but then I would think that Riley was right behind that and he had complimented how Riley played in the system that offensive style of play uh, and he just kind of seemed like a good fit for Montgomery and, and how he wanted to coach a team 
So it, it almost felt like it, it went against that and what the Bruins said they want their system to be. Um, so it, it was surprising to me that Mike Riley was on there. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised based on Twitter. Yes. That surprise who was on it surprised that he, that he cleared wasn't claimed. I mean, I, I do think obviously there's like, like Scott mentioned off the top, there's, there's clear, you know, cla- uh, uh, cap flexibility reasons as to why they, you know, they exposed him. Right. Um, I think they see when they're healthy, they see a bit of a redundancy with, with um, maybe Mike Riley in the lineup. I mean, obviously he's a left shot, but you know, you have Hampus Lindholm as a left shot who can move the puck. Uh, Matt Grizzlick, who clearly seems like he could even be ready for opening night for all we know. I mean, he's practicing in a non, um, in a regular practice uh, sweater. So, you know, I just think that, and, you know, Jacob Saboro is another uh, defenseman who can move the puck when he's on his game. So I just think despite having a good preseason and despite this new system benefiting Mike Riley in theory, clearly the Bruins, you know, they, they were, as you put it, Bridget, willing to run the risk of losing them. And they don't. So it's still kind of yesterday's problem today for the Bruins. Um, but as far as Nick Felino goes, I, I found that, you know, it was very interesting today and, and, I, and I made a comment about it, but this must have been one of the hardest, you know, days as a professional hockey player for Nick Felino in his career to, to be a, an established veteran in the NHL who's, who's been a former captain in this league and a former perennial 20 goal scorer for up for a while, up until a couple of years ago, you know, to, to get, to get sent on waivers at this stage in your career um, and have to with a, with a $3.8 million cap hit and to have to go to practice the next day with your tail between your legs, not knowing if you're going to get claimed or not that same day. Um, that is awkward. It's, not a comfortable feeling I would imagine for him. And so I just want to, you know, commend him on having to endure that. It's not like we all like Nick Foligno as a person that, that it just sucks that this is a situation because his performance hasn't, hasn't backed up his contract and uh, that's just the nature of the business. So um, it's been interesting, interesting to see that play out. Obviously we found out earlier this afternoon that he didn't get claimed. So he is going to be a Boston or a Providence Bruin. We'll see what happens, but that was something I wanted to comment on too, is not, not an easy day for any one of those three guys to look your teammates in the face after, you know, playing with them for at least a year, some uh, a year and a half for Riley and about three years for Chris Wagner, even though he wasn't on the team last year for most of it. So um, suck, sucky day for those, for those guys, but um, yeah. they're still in the black and gold. And we actually talked to Felino at media day. He was available in the locker room and, you know, he, he basically said like he understands that, it's, it's a business and business decisions get made and like he gets, you know, the financial aspects of it. He's, you know, like he's, he's not a dummy. Like he, he gets this stuff. He's smart. He understands the situation he was in. He understands why this was done. Um, you know, he also said he, he felt great about his camp. He still feels good about where he is. And, and, you know, and this was before uh, two o'clock came and went and he cleared and he was saying, you know, if if I'm still here, I'm gonna approach everything the same way and do everything I can to help the team. Um, you know, to your point, like he he is an ultimate professional. He also talked about how he's been on the other side of this as a team captain, having to talk to guys he's seen get put on waivers. You know, teammates who 
maybe weren't expecting it or, you know, thought they had a spot on the team or had been in the league a while and thought they were established. Like he's seen all this before he's been around long enough and he's, he's seen other guys go through it. And like he said, he's like, I can't be a hypocrite where, you know, I tell other guys like, you know, hang in there, you know, you'll get your chance, you know, some, something good's coming down the line and then sit here and pout when it happens to me. So, um, says all the right things. Uh, you know, we've said it over and over, like everyone does like him as a person, you know, his teammates, his coaches, us in the media, he's, you know, he's a good interview. He's good to us, but he's just not worth $3.8 million. And that's why he didn't get claimed. No one's going to pick that up. And now if he's going to get moved, it's going to have to be a trade where the Bruins probably retain some of the salary. And that's, you know, that's still on the table to happen at, whether it's now or sometime down the line when the Bruins have to clear cap space because they, they did not, I shouldn't say they didn't clear any cap space today. Like I said, they could send these guys down and save 1.1 million on each, but realistically, like they're going to need more than that anyways. So they're still going to have to do something else, whether it's now a month from now, two months from now. And Felino is very much still one of the guys kind of right there in that, you know, in that key spot where you look and you go, well, yeah, that's one place where you could free up money. So how do you feel this impacts as it pertains to Wednesday night? And I know you're not a fortune teller, but if you were to guess, like, so for example, does Nick Felino have, I guess, vetoing power to go down to Providence? Can he say no? Or does he have to be assigned? Um, I don't think he can veto. I, I believe his no movement clause only relates to trades, but I'm not 100% sure of that. So don't, don't hold my feet to the fire. Um, but no, I think they, I think they could send him down. I don't think they will. I think they're going to keep him up. I think at the very least they like having him around the room and they'll look at and say, you know what? He's a perfectly at worst. He's a perfectly fine 13th forward. Uh, I could see him being in the lineup opening night because, you know, one part we haven't gotten to yet, Saturday night, the final preseason game, Felino played well. He had a good game. Montgomery called it his best game of the preseason. The line he was on with no second Lauco had a good game. And look, you know, I know everyone has wanted, you know, everyone fell in love with the idea of a Greer, Stanika, McLaughlin fourth line. We may very well still see that at some point, but I think the Bruins saw you know, Felino, Nosek, Lauko fourth line play well Saturday night and went, hmm, maybe that's our fourth line for opening night, you know, depending on what happens. I, I would say, please no. <laughs> please no, that should not be the, the fourth line uh, opening night. No, thank you. Uh, but so we're talking about people who got waived and then, but really what we're kind of missing in this conversation is maybe who should have gotten waived instead or, you know, who's still... Yeah, technically on the team as of right now that, you know, the final roster hasn't been put out yet. But uh, I mean, as of right now, Stanika never got put on waivers. And that was a question going into, um, you know, the last the last preseason game. And now uh, as of right now, he to me, you have redundancy at fourth line center if you keep both Nosek and Stanika. So I would have thought naturally one of them would have ended up being waived. Um, and hopefully 
it was going to be no sick to me. It should have been no sick rather than Seneca. If you were going to wave one of those guys that are, you know, double up as your fourth line center in theory, if you both, if you want to play them in their natural position. Yeah. I just think they sort of like they they're taking the approach on defense where, you know, and Don Sweeney has said this, where it's like, you almost can't have too many defensemen. Technically you can, because there's a salary cap. So you have to stay under that. Uh, but you know, the Sweeney said in the off season, when he was asked, I asked him about defense and, you know, potentially having too many guys on the left side or whatever. And, and he said, like, if anything, we might add to our defense. Like we've seen how many injuries we've had and sure enough, like they have Anton Strauman in on a PTO. Uh, I think they kind of take the same approach to center where it's almost like you kind of can't have too many centers. And so I think that's why you see Nosek staying. But don't you now, think he could have cleared waivers? Yeah, I think he would have. So I, but that's why I say that. It's also, it's a smaller cap hit than Felino and Riley. So Felino and Riley are the ones who, you know, if like, if you need to save money against the cap, which they do, those guys are going to free up a lot more if someone had happened to claim them. Um, you know, on defense, I, I, I'm not, I wonder if this was their plan all along or if the fact that Grizzly looks like he's going to be back much sooner than expected kind of changed the calculus where, you know, they, they might've been planning to keep everyone. And now if Grizzly's only going to miss a couple games in the regular season, now it's, well, we kind of have to start thinking about that next move on defense now. And that's why you put Riley in waivers because if he gets claimed, it becomes a pretty easy $3 million bailout, even though it's not ideal to lose him for nothing. Um, like, you know, like I've been saying, like you have to get that money off the books at some point. <laughs> like it's, it's going to have to happen. It would, it would have been a really bad look. And, and that's why it was such a gamble by Sweeney to actually send rally through waivers uh, because if he does get picked up for nothing, you're, you're sitting back and going, okay, well, you, you, he had value. You could have moved him at some point in the off season or at the trade deadline or wh- whenever you, you know, you thought you could have gotten something in return, but so that's, that's the problem with taking that risk. He, I, I really think he has value that people would have paid something for. So um, to see him make it through is kind of shocking. He does have value. I just think time is not on the Bruins side when it comes to picking and choosing when they want to trade these guys to gain the cap space and flexibility, like trade deadlines, not really an option for them, right? They have to be, cause those guys are going to be back McAvoy and Marshan will be back on the books, but before then. So um, yeah. And then I know people talk about Clifton, like maybe should put him on waivers, but again, it comes down to what's his cap hit. He's I mean, I, when I said trade deadline, I meant this past year, this past season, oh, trade last, deadline. last season. Yeah. Not the upcoming yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I want to read a tweet from Scott real quick from 10 o'clock this morning. Cause I think it's worth mentioning because um, we now know when he, these are the lines from today's practice. And that when, when Scott tweeted it, uh, certain guys could have been claimed still. And now that they aren't claimed, these lines are kind of even more valid. So um, Taylor Hall was with Bergeron and DeBrusque. Zaka was with Krejci and Pasternak. So they kept those three together. Interestingly enough, um, Greer is on the left side with Coyle and Smith. And then the the two bottom the two quote unquote fourth lines were Felino on the left, no six centering Loco, and then there's Frederick on the left, being centered by Stanika with Wagner. So still tough to gauge what that fourth line would be on Wednesday. 
Defense was Lindholm and Carlo, Forbert and Zaboro, Riley Clifton, and Grizzlick Strawman, who is yet to be signed technically, but uh, we would imagine that would come soon. So just quick um, opinions on, on, on what you guys saw in practice today. Yeah, so by the way, also worth noting, they have to be down to 23-man roster by opening night. And if people are doing quick math, what, you, what we just read off, that's 25 uh 15 forwards eight defensemen two goalies so two of these guys aren't going to be here now Grizzlick maybe starts on injured reserve not long-term injured reserve he's not going on that Sweeney confirmed that today but there's still regular injured reserve so um that could still happen if he's going to miss a few games and you know they're going to have seven defensemen so I still think a strawman signing might be coming the fact that he was at practice today and still around, you know, two days after the final preseason game is, uh, you know, I think maybe a little bit of a tip off that that's where they're leaning. I think he he would have definitely been signed already had Riley been claimed, but I think there's a decent chance he gets signed even with Riley staying for now. Um, Up front, you know, Lauko could still be sent down without going through waivers. So that's one option, but now, you know, Wagner and Felino can obviously both be sent down as well. Wagner, certainly, you know, I, I think at least one of Wagner or Loco is going down and possibly both of them. But um, yeah, so as far as those lines, like it tells me that that Felino no sick Loco line that I talked about that had a good game on Saturday is in play to be the fourth line opening night, which is, um, you know, kind of crazy because like I think everyone had Lauko as like a long shot to make the team, and he's had a really good preseason. Finished strong on Saturday. Um, the Bruins seem to like a lot of stuff he brings. He brings some speed to the bottom six. Uh, he is kind of a feisty physical player. So it look that they've had numerous opportunities to send him down without no one would have blinked an eye, uh, except maybe Lauko himself, but they haven't. So like, there's a reason he's still there. They obviously like what he's done. You know, I think Frederick being sort of outside the, maybe the traditional top four lines seems telling that he might not be in the opening night lineup. You know, we'll see, but they, every, everyone has said, like everyone's been honest about, he didn't have the best preseason. And, uh, you know, Cam Neely said that today, like it's, no one's really – everyone, you know, will still say, hey, you know, we think he's going to be good. We still like him, blah, blah, blah. But, like, no one is saying that Trent Frederick had a good training camp or preseason. Yeah, and, and Scott, if that Felino no sick lauco line is your fourth line to start opening day, that means who you're leaving out of the lineup um, uh, among the people would be Frederick and Stadnika. Um, So it's just – I just don't – I don't really understand – going Felino Nosek Lauko if I was to guess I would say I I think Lauko goes down to start because he can and then maybe Grizzlick on IR are you know what what you're dealing with but I I don't like it <laughs> Felino Nosek Lauko is a completely different um fourth line than I thought we were going to be looking at this season just because it kind of seemed like Montgomery during camp was liking the speed and youth 
um, on maybe on a fourth line, just kind of change it up. But then when you look at that Felino Nosiklako, just feel like it's going to be more of the same. It's like it was a stagnant fourth line last season when they had it that way. And I, I think it just would have been better to put a little bit of youth and speed into it. Um, and it had more upside than this this line does. Well, I mean, Lauko is is youth and speed like that. Those are two things that he brings. <laughs> but but Nosik and Felino are not. Yeah, true. I mean, I, look, I would rather, have, uh, you know, I've, I'm saying like this might happen. I would rather have Stanika playing than Nosek. Like I've said that all along. I still feel that way. I thought Stanika also had a pretty good game Saturday. Um, and I, I, I know you can't send him down because he might actually get claimed on waivers. But I also don't, I just don't like the idea of Stanika being a healthy scratch. Like that for a game here and there, sure. Like I, I'm not handing him an every night job, no matter what, and never taking it away. But okay. So what if, if Felina Nosek Lauko continues to like play fairly well, Stanika just sits every night. Like that doesn't, it doesn't like, work. I don't like that idea. It doesn't work. The, that yeah. as a fourth line does not work. No, I mean, it pisses me off. It's like I said in the past, if, if, if Stanika is going to get beat out for a position on the fourth line, it better be because of somebody you know, relatively around his age, beat him out. Not because a guy who you just put on waivers who got, who didn't get claimed and a guy, another guy who probably should have been on waivers and, and no sec didn't get, you know, is for some reason just can't do, do wrong. He's the Messiah around uh causeway street. Apparently um, we'll see how that shakes out. Let's, we, we should move on to the, um, the, the next topic, which is media day today. And Bridget, if you, unless you want me to defer to Scott, I kind of wanted to start with you on what your biggest takeaway from media day today was uh well (laughs) so uh, a few things but i thought it was really funny this this one was just kind of funny that i saw sweeney kind of getting roasted on twitter for some of the stuff he said about how don't make fun of uh don't you know don't get on my case about the 2015 draft anymore brian i think he was talking to you well Um, neely said that that was neely yeah what did i say sweeney you said Sweeney. Oh no, no, Neely. Sorry, sorry. Don't, don't get on. And he doesn't like the narrative. You know, the, the narrative of all these bad moves having been made in the past, and basically telling Brian and the rest of us to, you know, we have no idea what we're talking I feel like about. I'm so not even. I feel like I'm not even the biggest culprit. I feel like I've only brought that up a few times. I mean, I, I, I'm. It was so long ago. It's like, yeah, the center ice position is still kind of like suffering for it long term because of that. But like. I've, I've moved past that. It was so long ago. It just, it, yeah. But yes, people definitely get defensive on in the ownership brass uh, at these media days. They did, they got defensive today and they were defensive over the summer when, um, when they hired Jim Montgomery. So, but as you were saying. Uh, so, and then the other stuff would obviously be the, the no news about the Pasternak situation. Um, and the fact that it looks like this is going to be a conversation that extends into the season because obviously the season is two days away from now. So if it's not done by now, you know, it is going to leak over. Um, And both sides saying that the, you know, they both want the extension to get done. Scott, you were there. What what was your read on the whole, you know, the poker game, I guess that is uh, this extension. Yeah. It's both sides saying they want it to get done. They're optimistic that it'll get done. Uh, they're talking pretty much every day. And they're okay if discussions continue into the season. Uh, I 
do think it's going to get done soon-ish. I just don't know exactly what soon-ish is. Like, could it be a week or two into the season, a month into the season? I think it's before the end of the calendar year. Like, I think it's sometime in the first month or so of the season. And by the way, I also wouldn't be totally shocked if it's done before opening night. Like, I... I still think it doesn't make sense for it to the, not be done before opening night. The fact so I that, agree. I mean, if they're both sides said that they are talking pretty much every day, you don't do that if you're far apart. Like if, if Sweeney's coming in with a low ball offer, uh, JP Barry, Posnox agent, isn't picking up the phone every day. And if Posnox and JP Barry are telling Sweeney, no, we want to see how things are going to play out for, you know, a little bit this year. Then Sweeney's not calling every day because, okay, you just told me, you know, basically call you back in a month. So the the fact that they're talking every day tells me that, like, they're close enough that this could get pushed over the finish line really at any point or, or sometime pretty soon. Um, so, yes, as we're recording Monday evening – Nothing yet. I if you're listen to this Tuesday or Wednesday, I wouldn't be shocked if a deal's been done by the time you're listening. Like I could still see it coming together and, and being finalized pretty quick, but I guess like you know, if I have to if I had to put a bet on it, I'd say maybe it carries into the season for a week or two. I think it gets done uh, in a timely manner, I, whether that's before the opening night puck drop or soon thereafter based off of you know hearing hearing Pasternak talk today at media day it really he's not bullshitting like he, when he says I, my agent is taking care of it he really means that I don't because because people are kind of asking like you know would you rather get it done before the season so it's not a distraction you know which is a fair question right um but he really just doesn't seem to be bothered by it. he's like well JP is taking care of it and uh, or JB JB whatever his name is JP Barry yeah. Um, and, um, and I believe him when he says that. And so I think, you know, I think, I think they'll figure it away. And, and another comment that, that passion act made that caught my ear and I kind of, it kind of, um, told me that he's buying what, what, what Neely and, and, and Sweeney are selling them, um, about, you know, how important is it to be competitive in, you know, the other years of your extension. And he said, well, Boston always finds a way to be competitive, which is true. Now you can sit here and say, well, yes, but that also coincides with all of Bergeron's tenure and most of Krejci, you know, Krejci's been here for most of that too. So yes, they've been competitive because they've had those key positions locked up, but he also made a couple how the Kings, the Kings uh, won a couple of cups when they were like a, a wild card team or something like that, or uh, a bubble playoff team. And to me, that's like, all right, well, Pashnak, I don't think Pashnak was a student of the game, a student of the game back in 2012 uh, when he was over in Czech Republic as a you know 13 year old kid. I think that's coming from the Bruins management, giving him examples of like teams that, you know, they find a way when it gets to playoff time. And, you know, if that's, if he believes them, then that's great. I just, uh, I got the sense that I don't see why, Pashnak won't be here. I think that they're going to figure something out pretty quick. Are you telling me he wasn't engaged in one of the original great Corsi wars? Oh God! Because God. That, that that first Kings team that won the cup, Corsi and all the analytics loved them all year. Their their numbers were like off the charts, but they were the eight seed. Like their actual record wasn't great because they couldn't score goals. And then they win the cup, and 
like that the whole like analytics community that the course community like man we we like we rented an island we went crazy like it was oh um, yeah oh you were there you were there it was like we won the cup ourselves yeah it was like scott was like you know drinking champagne (laughs) out of something that he made out of tinfoil but no that was the most uh scott uh sidetrack comment that we've we've had the the most scott tangent of all time well, I mean, they did at uh, the King, that Kings team. Yeah. They were an eight seed. And then in the, in the playoffs, they had a record of like 16 and four or something like that. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I think, I, I think that's something to follow, but I, I, I think that they get something done. Um, yeah. One other yeah. thing on, on Pasternak that I found interesting. So you mentioned, you know, he talked about how, uh, you know, Bruins always compete or whatever. And he continued to downplay the idea that like he needs reassurances about their future or whatever. Uh, Neely basically admitted that they had they did talk about that like that has come up because he was asked like you know do you think does Pasenak want like certain answers about the future as, as part of these discussions and he said like yeah of course he's a he's a shoot first winger he wants to know who his center is um, and he went into detail saying like uh, Cam Neely that is went into detail saying like you know, basically what we've told them is that we're aware of like the importance of that position. Uh, We will address it when, you know, when the time comes and Bergeron and Krejci are gone. And, you know, he said, we've also showed him like, Hey, Charlie McAvoy's locked up long-term Lindholm. We've got two good goalies, including a young one in Swayman. Uh, You know, Taylor Hall has a few more years. Marshan still has a couple of years. So like you could tell like that's the pitch that he was given is like, and we've even talked about this before. It's like, there's a lot in place to like about this Bruins team moving forward, except the center position. And, you know, but just to hear Neely like acknowledge that, like without saying it quite this bluntly, being like, yeah, we're not stupid. Like we, we know that, you know, we don't have the answer right now to replace Bergeron and Krejci but we are going to address it. And again, easier said than done. Right. Like, but I, I almost took that as like, it's a message from Neely to Pasternak of like, we're going to address it. We're not going to leave you with, you know, whoever as your center, someone who's not ready for the NHL or someone like, we're just going to throw in there as like, well, hope it works. Let's see what happens. Um, but I also read it as kind of a little bit of a message to Sweeney of like, Hey, by the way, like, you know, remember you're going to have to address this. Like you've got to prioritize this because Neely's kind of done that a few times in the past where, you know, he'll say something like in a press conference of like, well, sure would be good to have that, you know, big all around left shot defenseman who can play 24 minutes a night. And it's like, yeah, well, that was clearly an organizational priority. And that's why you see Sweeney go trade for Hambas Lindholm. Um, so he nearly sort of has this way of like mentioning these things in the press just to be like, yeah, like we are going to address it. Wink, right, Don? Like, you know, like you're going to, you're going to be on this. Yeah. And in the same vein too, uh, Ty Anderson had this tweet from, uh, saying, you know, Neely on the validity of the idea that this was the last dance with Bergeron and Krejci and he, and uh, Neely said, I think that's very fair. 
So, I mean, they know the urgency of the whole center situation and they're, you know, willing to kind of acknowledge the fact that it probably is the last go around for those two. And that it's, you know, a reasonable expectation that you're going to need to find two guys after this season. I mean, that's the million dollar question. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm over the moon that, that Cam Neely and Don Sweeney recognize that they need to get a succession plan in place for their top two centers. My God, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's very astute observation from them too. The question <laughs> we all want to know is how, because you're not going to do it in that short of a manner through the draft. So if you look around the landscape of the league, what potential top centers are up on their deals in the next couple of years, right? Or as soon as after this year. And that is to be fair, some due diligence I didn't do prior to this recording. So maybe I can pull that up. Um, but you know, it's it's less and less um, feasible to do that nowadays in the NHL because if if you're a top six center, you're you, a lot of them are locked up. Um, they're either on entry level deals or they just or because because there's not as many bridge deals anymore in the NHL. It's like these kids come into the league and they get paid after their third year and they get and they get locked up. It's you know, JT Miller was somebody we talked about. He's locked up in, in um, not Vegas, uh, Vancouver, Vancouver, right? So, Thomas yeah, Hurdle in San Jose. Yeah, Hurdle's another one. Like, and and again, there's always there's that there's that saying where there's a will, there's a way, right? Just because somebody's under contract um, doesn't mean that there's not a hockey trade to be made. But it's they're gonna have to get creative. So they can sit there all they want and say we're gonna address it. But the fact of the matter is, they know as much about how they're gonna address it as we do. They have no idea they're because because they can't see that far into the future. They're literally crossing that bridge when they get to it. And fine, I'm glad they know they have to do that. Um, okay, <laughs> but you know it, it's you know it, it's again we're talking about this this year's Bruins team more so today. But you know when it comes to Pashnak and what he's and and the future of his with him with the Bruins, they're selling them this bill of, bill of goods, which is pretty much just saying trust us, David. Like we you know ownership won't allow it. Okay. And we won't allow it. Okay. But what they aren't saying is how, so we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see because obviously um, ownership made a comment about how they, they know that they have to be aggressive in signing passion act. So we will see how it plays out. Did you guys have any other media day takeaways? Uh, Anything from you? No, not really. We touched on Felino, but we mentioned hall, you know, looks like he's going to be ready. He said he's, he feels good. He's on track to play Wednesday. Um, you know, basically sounded like a, an injury again, we don't know exactly what it was, but where he was in a lot of pain, like right away. And then it improved like quicker than they expected. And, you know, a few days later he was feeling good. So he, uh, he practiced in a regular Jersey, you know, he's not in the, the non-contact anymore. So it looks like he's, he's in Wednesday. And, you know, as we said, he, he was on the line with, uh Bergeron and DeBrusque so it looks like they're going to keep checks together go with that and uh and that that adds to you know the roster cruncher forward that we mentioned where now you have to send down at least one maybe two forwards yeah and and for those who might be concerned about where's this this Hall Krejci Pasternak combination we all wanted to see and uh we the fact of the matter is they didn't get any reps together in the preseason in game action, right? Because the the game that Taylor Hall got hurt in, it was 
Lysel, who was on on their right side with 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 Hall and Krejci. So, um, and that line just like blew up mm. throughout the course of the game because Lysel got injured and then Hall got yep. injured and then Krejci was just playing like every you know switch it up, just mix it all up. And on the other hand, um, the the check line blew up in a good way um in New which York. is why they not they're not moving Zaka to play with Bergeron and DeBrus like they originally had thought correct so I think it's just a matter like, like I said if you're concerned about why why Hall isn't getting that look with those guys I think I think if you're Jim Montgomery you're just saying well Krejci Zaka and Pashnak at least got two two games together in preseason so if if we need to come out of the gate strong at least they have reps together and as far as Taylor Hall goes it's okay, Taylor. You you can't play with with uh, Crutch and Pasta tonight. How do you feel about playing with Patrice Burris around for a couple of weeks? And I don't, I don't think Taylor Hall will have many gripes with that. And obviously, unless the combination of Zaka, Pasternak, and Krejci just is a dominant, one of the best lines in hockey for a few months, whenever Brad Marchand comes back, or even before that, like, Zaka would be the one to go down to the third line. Taylor Hall would never be on a third line role. First of all, because we know he doesn't have any good chemistry with Charlie Coyle, number one, but number two, they're not going to, they're going to optimize him. And so if, if, if it gets to that point where Marshan comes back and Zaka's in Taylor Hall's spot on the second line or first line, call it what you will, that Taylor Hall will, will find himself on that second line. It won't be an issue. Hey, Brian, remember like two days ago when we thought maybe Felina was going to be playing on the left wing with Bergeron and Debrusk. Look, look, we can only we can only discuss. Well, that was when Taylor Hall lines. wasn't going to play, but like, yeah. still, like, how far do we seem like we're from that now? Well, tell the Bruins social media to stop tweeting out false lines in preseason. <laughs> Can't believe the Bruins waved their first line left wing. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, all right. So with that in mind, let's let us let us well, actually on. one quick thing on that. Just that. Just that Hall and Grizzlick speedy recovery probably caused two different players to get waived that may not have otherwise been waived if if the recovery was going to take a week or two or three. And that would be, you know, Felino and, and Riley. Yeah, I mean, they, they might have been anyways, but it, if they were thinking about not, you know, waiving any either of them, then it certainly kind of forced their hand that those guys uh, were back sooner. Yeah. I also wonder if Felino and Wagner got claimed, if the Bruins would have brought back McLaughlin. Um, yeah. I, I wonder would, if they I would have thought so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to the fun part of the episode, which is where we are always correct. As a matter oh, yeah. of fact, actually, I think last year I was, I, my, my predictions were pretty accurate. Um but I digress. We're going to get to, to prediction time. So which one of you lovely podcast hosts would care to give their Atlantic division predictions first? Scott. Uh, I can go first. Yeah. Um, so I have uh, Toronto one because I think I, I don't like their goaltending at all. I, I actually think they somehow got worse in goal, but I feel like they're still going to put up a bunch of points. They're going to, I actually do like their defense, which I can't believe I'm saying about a Maple Leafs team. Um, Matthew's probably going to score 60 again. They're still, you know, an incredible top six. I don't think their forward depth is, is as good, but 
I can just see them being a team that racks up regular season points and then loses in the first or second round of the playoffs again because their goaltending let, lets them down. Um, I have Tampa two. Uh, even though I do think they got worse, they lost Andre Pilat and Ryan McDonough without really replacing them, but they're still going to be there. They still have, you know, an incredible core built around, you, you know, Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Hedman, Vasilevsky. You're still going to win a lot of games and put up a lot of points with those, with that core in place. Three, I have the Bruins, a team that I would absolutely have in the running to win the division if they were healthy right off the bat. I think they're going to get, without Marshall and McAvoy, I just think they're going to start a little too slow to really win the division. But I definitely think by the end of the season, you know, barring any other major injuries, they will be right there and possibly even better than Toronto and Tampa. Um, I have Florida four. I see them taking a step back from last year. They, you know, yeah, they get Matthew Kachuk, but they have to give up Huberto and Uyghur to do it. And they also lose Claude Giroux. They lose uh, Mason Marchment. I think they might be better set up long-term because they got Kachuk locked up and they probably weren't going to be able to lock up Huberto. But I think they're worse short-term. Still good enough to make the playoffs, but um, they were already, you know, more of a regular season team than a playoff team, uh, as proven by the fact that they got swept by Tampa. Uh, so them fourth. Ottawa fifth. Definitely see them taking a step forward. Not quite enough to completely close the gap and, and make the playoffs. Um, you know, one thing, like, you have to look at this year is, like, the gap – but specifically the gap between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams in the Eastern Conference last year was just enormous. Like, yeah. we knew by Thanksgiving the eight teams that were making the playoffs. And while I think some team, some of those teams that missed the playoffs have definitely gotten better, including maybe Ottawa most of all, I don't think anyone completely closed that gap. Um, I have Detroit sixth, another team that uh, definitely got better this offseason, made some good moves. You know, definitely has a really good young core with Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond. Uh, but I don't see them being a being a playoff team yet. Um, then Buffalo 7 and Montreal 8, you could flip those. I don't think either is going to be very good. You know, both some some promising young players to, to build around. And the, the only reason I put Buffalo 7th, I guess, is they were they were actually pretty decent in the second half of last season. So I don't know, maybe some of that carries over and they stay out of the basement, but Montreal, I, I, the Canadians forward group is intriguing, but their defense is like awful. I mean, it is like, there is not much there and I don't know how much I really trust Jake Allen and goal either. So I, I can see the Canadians being just as bad as last year. Like I, they, they're going to be in contention for a high draft pick again, I think. Yeah, so, uh, Brian, unless you want to go, I, I can oh, kind of oh, talk, talk through um, where our similarities are um, and where I differ a little bit. So, I think all three of us have Toronto first. Um, 
And hey, don't don't give away my predictions. Oh, yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do have Tampa Bay second, and I thought it was I was looking through. You know, Scott likes the analytics. Uh, he likes 538, and I was just looking through like what their projections were. I don't for... like 538. Actually, that's one. Of you the don't, don't like 538, like, no. especially on sports. I, I don't like any of their sports predictions. Okay, so he doesn't like 538. They do have this whole section um, about projected points, which is what I was looking at. Um, and so, actually, obviously, the Avalanche have the highest projected points, but the Lightning they had second, um, which I think could happen. I, they have them projected better than Toronto in that category. So I, I still think Toronto first, Tampa Bay second. I don't think they had too much of a drop off. And then I have Boston third, like Scott mentioned, it would maybe be higher if the injuries weren't there to start the season. And, uh, you know, their goaltending is good. So we leave them there at three. And then I have Florida, um, at four. And then this is where it kind of, it gets tricky. Uh, I had Detroit, then Ottawa, Buffalo, Montreal as the, you know, the bottom side, the, the bottom four in the division. At same reason Montreal's at the end, as Scott mentioned, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to pick them higher than anyone in the division right now. Yeah. Again, um, we all do have similar, um, division standing predictions, nothing too crazy. I guess I have Toronto at for, uh, in the, in, uh, finishing first, um, where mine differs from you guys is I do have the Bruins finishing second and believe me when I tell you, that's not me being a Homer because you guys know, I I'm not really, uh, wired that way. Um, I really do think the Bruins have a much, even without Charlie McAvoy to start the year, the Bruins, the Bruins, they got, they got a pretty good blue line, even without McAvoy. And, I, and, and they have, they've added some depth. I like them in goal. But more importantly, I like their team's defensive structure that's always been there and will continue to be there. I think there will be some growing pains with Jim Montgomery early on. We, you've seen some lapses in preseason, although, you know, it's, 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 it's a mix and match AHL, NHL lineup. So you can't even read into that too much. Um, but I mainly have the Bruins finishing second. More so because of Tampa Bay um, having gone to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals, they have played a lot of hockey. They've they've logged a lot of miles in that speedometer or odometer, whatever you want to call it. And yes, they have Vasilevsky and Braden Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Hedman. But you lost Andre Pilat. And I also feel like whether he's on the team or not, they've kind of lost Alex Kalorn too, because I think he's taken a major step back from, from his, his form a few years ago. And I just think that uh, you, you also lost Ryan McDonough on the blue line. Let's not forget that. Uh, Combination along with Ryan. Oh, Ryan, go back and say what you said after McDonough, you froze for a sec. Yeah, um, we, we can edit it back in. Yeah, no, Zoom is, Zoom is just doesn't want to hear my predictions. Um <laughs> But so, yeah, you've lost McDonough, Palat, uh, Alex Kalorn's taking a step back, and they've played a lot of hockey. I just also, Tampa Bay knows to kind of pace themselves at times in the regular season because they know through experience how important it is to kind of be playing your best hockey in April. So I have Tampa finishing third, Florida fourth. I, I just, you lose Wegar, you lose Huberto, you lose Claude Giroux, who you got at the deadline, and a couple other good players like Mason Marshman was a good 
you know, grinder for them. Florida's going to take a step back. They weren't the great. They weren't even that great defensively last year when they had Weegar. So, and if you got one injury to Ekblad, then they could be in some tough sledding. Uh, beyond Florida, I think it was something similar to you guys. I have um, Detroit finishing fifth, Ottawa sixth, Buffalo seventh, Montreal eighth. Yeah, Montreal. Montreal, their forward group, I think you could argue is better than Buffalo's, but they Montreal literally has like six guys playing defense that would that are either a six defenseman in the NHL or worse. So, I mean, I know they have that one kid. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name, like, 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 like Zaychek or whatever, whatever it is. He's, he's a promising good player, but beyond that, I mean, they don't really have much going for them. So um, my top four is out of order from your guys, but it's the same four teams. And, I have a question for, for both of you about Florida then, because we all have Florida fourth, which would put them in, in the wild card or potentially if you think, two teams from the Metro would make the wild card instead. Do you see Florida being in one of those wild card spots? Um, if so, you know, first or second, or would they potentially not make the playoffs this year? I have them in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I feel really lame doing it, but I have the same exact eight playoff teams as last year. Um, for the reason that I said earlier, which is like that gap was so big. And while I think some non-playoff teams got better, I don't think anyone did enough to close the gap. And I don't think any of the playoff teams, I think all of them could take like a little bit of a step back potentially, but I don't think any are like falling apart. Um, so in, in the Metro, I have in, in order for the top four, I have hurricanes, penguins, Rangers, capitals, all making it again. And I would say just like, actually the capitals didn't finish as the AC last year. Did they? I think they actually finished seventh, but Anyways, I have them as like the AC. So I have uh, Florida ahead of them. Um, I see Toronto having the best record in the East. So I guess that would give me uh, Toronto, Washington, and Tampa, Boston in on one side of the bracket. And then Carolina, Florida, and Pittsburgh Rangers as my playoff matchups. And in the Metro, like – you know, for the non-playoff teams, I, I can definitely see the Devils taking a step forward. I do think they got better, and you know, they they just they have a young team that's growing in general. So, uh, you know, and, and they added Palazzo. So that like that was their big addition. You figure, you know, guys like Hughes and Jack Hughes, Jesper Brad, like you figure they're going to get better um, as as they continue to mature and grow into their games. Um, and they upgraded in goal. They got Vitek Vanacek, which not that he's anything great, but I mean, the Devils had like just legit awful goaltending last season. So really even like league average or slightly below league average is an upgrade. Um, so I can see the Devils being better, but again, not not enough to, to make the playoffs. I can see Columbus being better. They obviously landed Gaudreau. Um, they didn't do a whole lot outside of that. In fact, they had to get rid of Oliver Bjorkstrand to – to free up the cap space and he's a player I like. So like, I, I do think that's like a sneaky loss. Um, but again, I don't see them closing the gap and making the playoffs. The Islanders did nothing. So I, I have a hard time imagining them being much better. So yeah. So I, like I said, I, I just don't see anyone closing, overcoming that gap enough to, to knock off the, the eight playoff teams above them. I, I, I agree with Scott. I have the same, 
I have the same eight teams making the playoffs as last year, but unlike last year where you had, you had Florida with 122 points. I, I, I think the top seeds in the Eastern conference are going to fall somewhere between 110, 105, 110 points. And you're going to have some playoff teams similar to, you're going to have some teams similar to the Bruins in 14, 15 and 15, 16, when they finish with like 96, 93 points and miss the playoffs. I think you're going to have a couple of teams that are going to have mid nineties finishes, low nineties finishes and miss the playoffs. And I just think it's going to be a more competitive Eastern conference this year. But I do think at the end of the day, it'll be the same eight teams in the playoffs. I think, I think New Jersey is going to take a step forward. Like Scott said, I also think Ottawa will take a step forward. I think Detroit's going to take a major step forward. I just don't think it's going to be enough to make the playoffs. I mean, beyond they're really strong young players. Like uh, you guys mentioned earlier in, in Larkin and Bertuzzi and Raymond and Mort Sider, who's going to be a Norris finalist for years to come. They also added some good complimentary players too. I mean, you have David Perron, you have Andrew Kopp. Um, I'd have to look at their, at their, uh, you have, Oh, uh, Jacob Ron is a good player in Detroit. So like they have, they, they have some players. Um, they're going to be good. But if I had to guess, I would say it's going to be the, the, the same eight teams. I mean, for full transparency, I had the Rangers, um in first carolina second pittsburgh third washington fourth jersey's fifth islanders sixth columbus seventh and philadelphia eighth um sorry torts um but yeah i think it, i also have philly last i think it could be a, a rough year down there well, another rough year i mean they got they have unlike the canadians they're they have no off like they're the kind of opposite of montreal like montreal has decent forwards no defense philly has okay defense but they have no forwards i mean they have a couple players but uh they have like three or four forwards that like would do anything really all year so it's gonna be tough yeah they're kind of like just starting the bottoming bottoming out process where it's like they still have some veterans around there that are gonna want out probably already want out like if if they're not in contention and they're going you know it's like like a multi-year thing which i think it's gonna have to be like why would like a Kevin Hayes or a James Van Riemsdyk or Couturier, like what are those guys going to be sticking around for? I think, you know, they're, things could get much darker there before they start to get better. Cause I think that exodus of some of those veterans, I think that's probably going to happen over the next year or two. Well, especially like, imagine if you're like, you know, 15, 20 games below 500 come, come like March and and you're dealing with Tortorella every day. Like, you gotta work hard in this league. It's not going to happen for you. Like you can only hear so much of that. Also don't rule out the fact that if they start awful, like coaches get fired early in the NHL season. Um, So like, if you start with a horrible record, you never know what could happen to torts early on. We've seen coaches get fired after like, four games it's like a very short leash and I know there's not much he could really do with it right now I mean and everybody knows they're projected to be at the end of the conference or in the at the end of the division so you probably won't see it that fast but just saying keep an eye out because coaches get fired quick yeah at least they signed Tony D'Angelo though so they have oh yeah great and I'm sure he'll do just as well and not get kicked off that team immediately too he seems very stable um but yeah, so my Metro predictions, I, I tried to go a little bit different. Um, I do think Rangers first, Pittsburgh, and then I think Carolina has a drop off in points this season. So that's why I have them third, I, obviously still making the playoffs, but I do see them having a bit of a drop off there. 
of course, because they lost Tony D'Angelo. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> but no, they did lose, you know, Niederreiter. And they, I do see them having that Trocek drop off. Trocek's a sneaky, Trocek. like, important loss. This. But they also added Pacioretty and Brent Burns. Yeah. Which, but... I don't know about you guys, but I think Pacioretty is like not as he's not as good to replace either of those guys. So you think he's, not, you think he's on the back nine? Yeah, he's on the back nine. Um, yeah, he, he, still, he can still score goals. Too. Like and... Brent Burns, we don't know how effective he's going to be as yeah. well. So that's why I I just say I think they're going to have um, a decline in points. Still going to make the playoffs. Um, and then I have in that fourth spot washington but then i tried to do something different um i just think maybe there's a chance columbus actually has an okay season um i don't see them making the playoffs i see them maybe just being you know right on the outside um but that's my only prediction really that's like all right i could see that happening i because they've made these other moves, they have Lina now, they have Gaudreau now. Um, maybe there's just this infusion of life back into the program, and and I could see it happening where they could finish as high as fifth. So, yeah, I mean, my my bold prediction, if I had to make one, is that, and I said this earlier, but maybe or it was off the air, but uh, no, I could see. Like I said, I really think everybody's talking about Ottawa. They bring in Giroud to bring it, but. I really think that Detroit's going to step up this year. Um, will it be enough to make the playoffs? Don't think so. But my bold prediction could be you might see uh, five playoff teams from the Atlantic and three from the Metro. But like I said, in, um, in my my main predictions, I don't think that's going to happen. But if I was to pick a bold prediction, it would be that. Um, but I think we're all kind of on the same page. You know, yeah. we're just brilliant hockey minds here. Before we go, do we want to do cup predictions? What? Oh, goodness. What do you guys see? I mean, I don't know if I'm prepared to go cup yet because I haven't really seen. I don't know. I, I, I guess I guess I'll have to give one. Um, Bridget, do you want to start? No. <laughs> Scott, do you have? Uh, you you made this happen, so you're first. <laughs> All right. So I have the Avalanche coming out of the West again. Yeah. Um, you know, even though I think they got a little bit worse, I still see them winning the West. Uh, I have them losing the Stanley Cup final this year. Two. Two. The Boston Bruins. No way. Oh, nope. yeah. Wait a minute. This is the analytics, right? We're, we've heard this from nope. Scott. He's mentioned it. No, it has nothing to do with analytics. This is just your heart telling you. Yeah, this is a little bull prediction hot take, but I don't know. I, I really could Weird. see it's it oh. <laughs> coming together for the Bruins. Again, survive the first two months. Just hang around. Don't worry about, you know, not winning the division or being in first place. By the end of the season, you have a healthy team. I think they will have as good of a top six as anyone in the league, uh, as good a top defense pairing as anyone in the league. And I think, you know, Zach Coyle-Smith can be a good third line. Be a great third line. Yeah, figure out the fourth. I think the rest of the defense can be pretty solid. It's a lot to ask. Look, it only takes one or two injuries to ruin it all. Um but that could be said for everybody. So yeah, exactly. Can't hold against them, you know. Yeah. So like, I'm not gonna sit here and predict injuries. I'm gonna act as if, as if everyone's healthy by the end of the season, and and you know, go off that. And I just, I don't know. I just have a feeling about this Bruins team. Like, I, I just feel like things could go really well for them. And like I said, I think everyone else has question marks. Like Toronto, do not trust their goaltending at all. Mm-mm. Um. 
Tampa, I, I do think got worse. I think some of their depth that has always been an advantage for them is, you know, now they're counting on some of those guys to be like, they need, you know, Nick Paul had a great playoff run. They need him to basically play like a top six forward. Now, Brandon Hagel, they gave up a lot to get him. They need him to do more for them than, than he did last year. Cause and Paul he, was, he was also kinda, a trade deadline acquisition for them. Yeah. And, but like Hagel and Paul was really good when he came over. Yeah. No question. Hagel is kind of quiet. Like I, I think, you know, and like I said, they gave up like multiple first round picks to get them. That was, they're going to need more from him. So yeah, in hindsight, that would have been a bad move for the Bruins. He was one of the guys we had talked about, like potentially targeting for the Bruins at the deadline. And that, that was too much to give up for him. And they might've screwed yeah. themselves a little on that. I mean, like I still get the, the, the appeal is that he's locked up for several years on an mm-hmm. extremely cheap contract. So like that part of it is still really nice, but you need him to actually play, you know, like a, you know, I don't think he's going to be like a top line guy, but like a real solid, like six through eighth forward on your team. Um, and I don't love the lightning's defense as much. Like they lost not just McDonough, but also Jan Ruda. So they're looking at, you know, some young guys who are going to have to fill in there. They, the one veteran they signed was Ian Cole, who's now going to be suspended for a pretty long time because uh, he has some very serious allegations, uh, that were just made against him. Um, from a woman who says basically that he sexually groomed and assaulted her as a minor. So uh, I don't think you're going to see Ian Cole play for the lightning at all, actually. Well, I, um, you know, it's really tough to give these predictions because the, the Bruins really do when they're healthy. Like there is no runaway for me in the Eastern conference. There's no runaway favorite in the East this year. And I think the Bruins, especially when they get healthy, I think they have as good of a case as any of the top teams in the conference. So, again, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, do we all decide picking the Bruins on this Boston Bruins podcast? I mean, <laughs> it's tough to kind of uh, not be biased. Um, but the truth of the matter is they do have as good of a chance as anybody. I mean, we're talking about the Maple Leafs winning the division, winning the conference potentially, and like we all know their playoff resume in the last day but won a playoff series it's 04 so like even if they win the, the the conference like no one's taking them serious until they prove it we've talked about tampa we've talked about florida i mean i think the rangers are the rangers are, i think the, i think the rangers are going to be there um i think they have great goaltending they got a good blue line um they got good forward depth and i have a feeling that some eastern conference contender at the trade deadline is going to gain the services of patrick Kane. whomever that is um and it could be out West, but I do think it could, it might be in the East and it could be the Rangers. It could be the Bruins. We don't really know. I know Kevin Paul DuPont wrote an article in the globe uh, the other day about that. And um, we'd have to see how that plays out. But I guess in the essence of giving a prediction, um, I have no reason to not say the Bruins will make it to the finals, but because just for, just to change things up, I'll say the flames versus the Rangers. But um, I, I think Calgary it's crazy because they had their offseason started off in such a sorrowful place for them. And it's like, maybe it's like one of those blessing in disguises where like, yeah, you shipped out, not that they shipped them out, but they lost two really good players, great players as a matter of fact, but maybe they just weren't the right players for them and in the right time. And, and Nazem Kadri has proven to really be an impact player in this league in the biggest moments. And Jonathan Huberto is, (laughs) 
uh, one of the top scorers in the league right now. And Mackenzie Wegar is, is a bona fide top pair defenseman. So yeah, Calgary, I think um, uh, definitely a makeover, but still really, really, really formidable in the West. And um, I do like the Rangers in the East, but I also like the Bruins in the East and a couple others too. So it's really tough to gauge, but if Scott's going Colorado, Boston, just to make things fun, I think another cup caliber series could be um, the Rangers and the flames. Yeah. When you first said it, Scott, I was thinking my like first instant reaction would be um, abs Rangers. Um, and a lot of the Rangers, like giving are, them that credit. What? You guys are pretty high on the Rangers. I, I just think goaltending is going to end up being huge for them. And I, I will say you're asking us to predict this and we, are, you know, we are so far away, but I could see the Rangers going to the final and losing to the abs. I still think the abs are a better team than them. And even if you did ask me if it's, uh, you know, a Eastern conference final Bruins Rangers, I still like the Bruins. So it's kind of hard, but we're, we're also a little biased. So trying to check that. So I do think I could see either the Rangers or the Bruins in the final um, coming out of the Eastern Conference. Um, I do still think they're playing the Avs, and then it's kind of hard to pick against the Avs. I know that they, you know, it's not the same team as last year, but I still find it hard to pick against them. I mean, it's it's really tough to go back to the finals back-to-back years. I know it seems like the Penguins and the Lightning have made it kind of a ritual, but before them it was the Red Wings in the late 90s, and before them – I mean, I, I don't really know. So it's it's probably probably the Oilers or some, or maybe the Canadians. I don't really know. But regardless, well, there was there were those two, Penguins and Red Wings both made it back. Yeah, they, they faced each other back to back. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously the Avs. Yeah. Oh, it was oh seven oh eight oh eight oh nine. Um, obviously the Avs are like, there's no reason to say they wouldn't be there. Um, and if you if you remember though, guys, last year I did I did predict the Rangers to make the playoffs and have a good year, and you, and you guys, um, I had the Islanders. I Scott kind of laughed at yeah, me. I was I was down on them last year. I'm down on them again. I'll probably regret it, but well, I think I mean, last year I remember that we were all too high on the Islanders last year, and they just kind of could just because of well, the PTSD from the playoffs and how the Bruins yeah. exited the playoffs. It was like okay, well the Islanders looked good, and then it was like no, well, they were we, final- we definitely. They were a final four team back to back years. So they yeah. Have- so I just figured, you know, yeah. I had them in the top four again, had to make in the playoffs and then it just did not work out for them. Now they did have kind of a weird season. They had some COVID issues at like the wrong time and they had they you know, they had a lot of stuff. They ended up that 13, ended up pulling them under road games to start the year too. Didn't help. Yeah. Them. Yep. But you know, um, well, good. Those are fun predictions. I, I, like I, I think I, I said, and Bridget said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bruins were to go on a run, um, but just had to change things up because I do kind of like Scott's prediction. Damn it. But um, all right, guys, do you want to wrap it up there and, and um, save it for a rainy day or what? Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Yep. We'll obviously be doing an episode sometime after the open air reacting to that. So that'll, uh, that'll be next. And presumably, you know, by the time that they actually, play a regular season game we'll know what their final roster is but we'll see. yeah that'll be fun uh, that'll be good to know and i can't wait to see what their fourth line is i can't i just can't wait to uh, I, sit I, by I, my keyboard and analyze whatever fourth line they put out on the ice for opening night i can't because i know because i know i'm not gonna like it 
The only no. thing we'll say is at the end of the day, future seventh seventh player award winner AJ Greer will be on the fourth line when they're healthy. That's all I care about. Oh, by um, the way, um, Leafs Twitter entered the chat too when um they saw Felino got waived because they're like, Oh yeah, remember the guy that the Leafs gave up a first rounder for? He just got waived. So yep. they had to enter the chat for a second. Yeah, the same deadline that the Bruins got Taylor Hall for a second. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they were having just as bad a time with that. Taylor day. Hall for a second and Anders Bjork. My, oh, my. Um, all right. Well, Bruins play Wednesday night. Regular season is almost upon us. And as Scott mentioned, we will be breaking that down shortly thereafter. And this is the first week of uh, three episodes a week. So we will be talking very soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>